welcome to the Campus Talent Lab podcast, your go-to resource for campus recruiting and early talent management expertise and insight. Each episode focuses on solutions to one specific challenge in the campus ecosystem. Whether you're looking to amplify your brand on campus, optimize intern conversions, diversify your workforce, or drive improvement to any part of your student hiring or early talent programs, Campus Talent Lab has got you covered. Today's episode is What Just Happened, a review of Fall 2021 Recruiting on Campus, and features a discussion with Kathleen Schaum, Executive Director, University Talent Acquisition at KPMG, Drew Butts, Group Talent Manager at Enterprise, Don Carter, Director of Global University Recruiting at Uber, and Lisa Kramer, Head Recruiting Marketing Strategy, Enterprise Campus Recruiting at BMO Financial Group. And here's your host, Graham Donald. Great time for us to be talking about what the heck has just happened on campus uh, and how you've experienced it. So, with that, I really look, I, I welcome in Kathleen, Don, and Lisa. I don't think Drew is here yet, um, having a little trouble connecting in. So, but we will forge ahead. And um, let me just uh, take a minute to um, have each of you introduce yourselves. Um, big brands, people know your organizations, but let's just back and assume they don't know a ton about it. Maybe I'll start with you, Kathleen, and just give us a little idea of the scale of hiring and, and what's going on with, with recruitment at KPMG right now, and then we'll go on to the others. Sure. Thanks, Graham. So hi, everybody. My name is Kathleen Schaum. I work with KPMG, and um, for those of you not familiar with us, we are one of the big four accounting and consulting firms, um, offices all over the world, but uh, my role is to head up Campus Recruiting University Talent Acquisition for the U.S. And within the U.S., we hire primarily business and technology students into various places within the firm. And we hire currently uh, over 8,000 um, students every year between our interns and our full-time positions. So um, happy to be here today. Thank you very much. Uh, let me move on to you, Dawn. I was like, holy cow, that's a lot of people. Uh, hi, everyone. Uh, we don't hire that many yet. Um, I'm Don Carter, and I'm the director of Global University Programs, and I manage a global team uh, that manages everything from top of the funnel to our programs, um, all the way through to offer and conversion. Um, this last this year, we'll see an increased hiring, a second year in a row. Uh, we kind of again two years ago, the transportation industry definitely did some right sizing and we laid off and we reneged on new college grad offers, something we don't ever want to do, but we did. Um, and then admitted six months later, that was probably a mistake. Uh, God love it. Um, and so this year we'll be hiring around 750 interns and co-ops globally and around 350 to 400 interns, uh, new college grads. Um, and then my team also manages some of our, uh, apprenticeship conversions, things like that. So I'm excited to be here. Great, thank you, Don. And now uh, Lisa, you crossed the border. So um, many on the call may know I'm based in Toronto. Uh, love the fact that we get to work on both sides of the border. You have responsibility both sides, probably a little more insight on the Canadian side. I'm not sure though, so let's uh, go to you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Graham. So my name is Lisa Kramer. I lead uh, campus recruiting, early talent recruiting, and recruitment marketing for BMO, uh, known as BMO or BMO Financial Group north of the border and BMO Harris uh, south of the border. Probably resonates a little bit more, particularly in the Midwest. Um, and uh, as you said, uh, we recruit uh, north-south, uh, east-west, so everything across North America uh, for the enterprise. Um, and I, my team is split, um, mostly in Canada, just based on the volumes that we recruit, um, as well as uh, a small and very mighty team uh, in the US as well. And uh, we don't do 8,000 hires um, every year, but uh, we're over, we're about 1,200 uh, for the year this year, um, north-south. So uh, happy to be here. Great, thank you, Lisa. Um, quick side note, uh, Looks like I had a little challenge getting Drew in here. It looks like Drew, you're in as an attendee, which is not gonna let you join us. I did resend the link to you. So if you get a chance, if you can find that, um, try it with a different email address that you have. So maybe we'll get Drew in with us, maybe not. Um, but 
fingers crossed. Um, and so with that, let me jump into our questions. I'm going to just put them all on the screen and I'm take them away and go through them one by one. But I just thought it might be helpful because people will have questions and this will give people a sense of what we're going to jump into as we go. Um, and then uh, I welcome you to put questions in the chat as we go, but I'll probably address them more towards the end. But I want to ask about, you know, the evolution of this virtual recruiting. Um, I know that could take an hour in itself. So we'll be just doing these lightly as we go and maybe some of the most recent learnings. Um, has there been any shift in what works as compared to a year ago? Because a year ago was still pandemic as well. Uh, how much of your activity was in person this fall? We just before we got onto this call, we were hearing a little bit about a few in-person activities, but not a lot, it seems. Um, issues, issues that may have arisen. I'm starting to hear about ghosting and renegs a little bit more. I'm curious to hear what's going on with that. Um, and then uh, we'll jump to some of your biggest challenges potentially your expectations for 2022. So that is a lot to cover. So we'll probably move fairly quickly. But what's really exciting right now is I get to jump back and welcome Drew Butts into the conversation. And Drew, thank you for joining us. Sorry if uh, maybe we went to the original, originally sent our messages to the wrong email, but welcome in. Not a problem. Thanks so much, Grant, for having me uh, join this webinar. So I heard the introductions earlier. Uh, I'll just be brief. Uh, my name is Drew Butts. I am the Group Talent Manager for the Chicago uh, Enterprise Holdings. Uh, been with the company for about 30 years now. Uh, definitely a new world for us, and I'm excited to hear what everyone else has to say because this virtual challenge of even getting on to a call sometimes uh, just makes you pull your hair out. The hair I had last year was black; it's gray now. So, <laughs> but but we've been uh, we've been challenged as everyone has, and uh, and I certainly will share uh, as we move forward into the questions. But uh, we traditionally in the Chicago area uh, have hired anywhere from 200 to 300 new management trainees. Those are entry level opportunities. Uh, and about 75 interns. Uh, Company-wide numbers, uh, we looked at last year, I think we were right around, uh, it was almost uh, 9,000, I think it was new hires we had almost last year across the country. Actually, it's global, actually. Uh, and uh, an intern programs, every operating group has intern programs as well. So uh, this is a new world for us and uh, our hiring is at entry level. So we're trying to find uh, you know, how we navigate this. So uh, I'll share what we know and hope to glean some best practices from those who are already doing it. Great, thank you very much, Drew. And welcome into the, into the fold here. So big, uh, big question as they all are, how has your experience with virtual recruiting evolved? Um, you know, I, I'm gonna start with you, Lisa, because you did a workshop with us a while ago about sort of that first fall going through with your uh, recruitment uh, school bus, I think was the sort of the, the motif and uh, I, I'm interested to know, you know, how 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 was this fall different uh, from last? Yeah, for sure. So we, uh, as Graham mentioned, um, we had a we called it our campus school bus tour. Uh, we upgraded this year to a train, so we did go across the. <laughs> across North America with our train tour this year, um, which really is just our way of trying to package up, um, you know, the, the programming that we're doing. Um, it obviously allows us to do some fun graphics with it and, and get people excited about what we're doing. Um, you know, really trying to make, you know, our sessions, quite frankly, stand out against our competitors. We know there's a lot of, you know, most events, um, particularly in Canada, for sure, and even across the U.S., were continued to be virtual. Um, so how can we stand out uh, from our peers and get students excited to attend? Um, you know, so so that was our biggest thing. We, we continued with um, a regional approach to our events because they are virtual. So we moved away from doing um, school specific events to more of a regional approach um, and continued uh, with that this year, um, you know, with, with the different sessions. I think, um, you know, overall, our, our participation rates were actually significantly higher than last year. Um, so I, I think from that perspective, it's good. Where we look towards next year, I think we will be returning to more of what I would call a hybrid model, where we will continue to do virtual um, regional events uh, so we can draw on students from multiple schools, uh, but we will return to more of the school-specific smaller club association type events. Uh, hopefully uh, seeing more of those in person as well. So really getting back to campus next fall. But 
um, you know, definitely, you know, very similar to what we had done the year before. Great, thanks. You, you mentioned the participation was higher. And if I ask any questions to any of you that you're not comfortable sharing at this point, let me know. But I'm wondering, uh, did applications do as well? Or did they, did you see some drop this year? Um, so our applications are up, um, our participation rates were up, um, and I would say we had less of a drop off for our sessions as well. Okay, so the feeling about some shift for next fall is probably more just because you think there will be more in person, not because something's not working? Exactly. I, well, I would say so two things. One, I think um, everyone on the we're excited to get back to campus and really connecting in that way, um, which is great. I think we also want to make sure that um, you know, one of the, the benefits of going to more of a regional approach is that we are then able to tap into students at schools that we don't normally or haven't in the past um, been able to travel to. Um, you know, we have a limited team. There's only so many dates in the calendar. We can't go everywhere um, at the same time. And so um, I want to make sure that we don't lose that because we've seen some great diversity in terms of our application pools and diversity of programs and schools and, and uh, skills, et cetera. So I don't want to lose that. So that's why we're really looking at moving to more of a hybrid um, approach where we can tap into and also make sure that we're connecting with students in a way that's comfortable to them. Um, you know, we know that some students prefer, um, you know, the virtual approach. They like the sessions. They like being able to put their questions in a chat versus put their hand up um, in a session. And so this allows really that flexibility with students um, to be able to do both, depending on what their needs are and how they want to connect with us. Thank you. I'm seeing a lot of nodding heads. So as I go to you, Kathleen, I'll be interested to hear your experience has been similar. Sure. Um yeah, somewhat, I would say, you know, in terms of answering your, your question, we started out, you know, going back to March 2020, we had literally done no virtual recruiting at that point. We were all, everything we did was in person and had to overnight, pretty much literally overnight, um, morph to a virtual strategy, which, you know, was definitely hit or miss at the start. Um, and then, you know, we got better with our tools. We got better with understanding what types of events worked and what didn't work. And I think over time, last fall, probably fall 2020, I should say, um, had pretty good engagement with the students. I think everybody at that point was a little bit more comfortable with it. Um, and then I guess fast forwarding to this past fall, we did um, start to do more of a hybrid. Uh, so we were on campus in some places, um, definitely it depended on the university and um, what was happening in that particular market. but. Um, saw a little bit more of a hybrid approach where we did certainly still did a lot of events virtually, um, especially a lot of national events, but even school-based events, um, but then also tried to mix in some in-person where we could, where it made sense, because um, we were really honestly seeing that the students, our experiences with they we didn't see as good of participation in the virtual events this fall as compared to a year ago, that um, their interest was waning. I think um, they definitely had virtual fatigue um, I think also the difference is, you know, a lot, for the first time, most campuses, um, since this all started, were back on campus in person. And I think the students were really hungry for that college life, right? Not necessarily the recruiting piece, but they want, yeah. they, they were back on campus. They wanted to do social events with their friends. They didn't really want to make the time for recruiting, I think, in, in many cases. And we saw some pullback there. Um, but when we had the in-person events, I think that's where we had our best engagement, where the students, again, were really hungry to meet people and um, connect in person as opposed to virtually. Yeah, and Kathleen, your campus recruiters, like everybody's uh, probably, uh, hopefully, are, are real people people. Are, are you feeling that they are getting a little more jazzed up and energized by the fact that they get to do some work in person with students or, or are, they, are they pretty hesitant about it still? How's that, how did that go? Yeah, I would say most most are really excited about it. I mean, we definitely still have some people that for their own personal reasons are hesitant to, to travel or get back in person and we respect that and we work with them to, you know, have other representatives. They can do, they can plan an event, right? But have other people attended in person if they aren't comfortable. But I would say the majority are really excited about it and it really is reinvigorating for them and kind of gets them back to why they love their job and what they do. Um, so, yeah. I think we'll, we hope, hopefully we'll see more of that as we go forward. Great, thanks. And Don, let's get your take on this, how things have evolved. Yeah, I, I, I plus one to the fatigue. I think students are 
are fatigued because they're back in person themselves and they're yeah. trying to figure that out. I mean, even when I go into the office two or three days in a row, I'm like, I'm exhausted. Like there's just a different energy uh, and what that looks like. And so for us, you know, very similar to everyone else um, and sense of we really did this fall do more niche events and what we learned is like Lisa mentioned, you know, access to more students. Um, we really tried to think about finding the right people that we that want to talk to us, right? Uh, we did see a huge increase last year uh, of, of applicants. So just for our software engineering internship roles in San Francisco, we went, I think we had 14,000 people apply last year. And this year we had 24,000 people apply. Um, so we are seeing an increase, which makes me feel good because we've had some brand challenges that we were when we laid off and reneged on offers two years ago. Um, but I do think the students are nervous. And I was, we just did our first two in-person events about a week and a half ago. One with like 15 PhDs, which you know them, they're a little bit more older students, so they get it. Um, yeah. But even them, right? Some of them have kids who cannot get vaccinated yet, right? And so, um, but we did a, an, a diversity event with 200 student leaders. And I think we all were exhausted by the end of the weekend. Um, and so I just see students trying to figure out what's the right balance for them um, and how sometimes virtual events work better for their school schedule than having to go across campus and do something in person. Um, but I think it's just, we're all gonna have to refigure this out. I don't think there's one thing that's working. I mean, I see Drew on campus all the time and I'm always like, hand sanitizers like dude I'm like oh my lord it stresses me out like not to be honest like because um you know I left it up to my talent scouts who build all of our partnerships I said look at you know you can build a global you know you can build a virtual strategy 1000% up to you if you want to go back on campus wow. um, and they all chose to not so it really was what they felt comfortable doing yeah it, interesting you know we all know people uh, pre-pandemic who are extroverted and if they're not out amongst people they have no energy they need it for fuel and there's introverted people I know I've seen them at conferences they got it they need to go and have a quiet time I'm, I can relate to that a lot uh, to rest up I feel like we've all sort of forgotten a little bit of that you know yeah it's like we've all become a little more introverted and so even though we're enjoying the in-person sometimes even with friends it still takes a lot more energy than it used to um i guess it is just an adjustment period uh, one quick question though before we move on to drew don you mentioned this big increase in applications and i think it was specific to software engineers is that because you do you think that's mostly because your net was a lot broader uh, less targeted than it might have been before because you're 100 yeah, you're i think that is part of it um we take a a, a passive and a we kind of go broad and and go small. Um, so it's our external facing rec that doesn't even count our core school recs, but I was surprised um, from it just because of where we are as an organization, right? Um, and having gone and done what we did in 2020. So um, though this year, you know, we are right on target, in fact, increased conversion rates for our interns. So they are getting jobs and, and they are coming back to us. But um, I, I just think it's going to be interesting to see how we manage it and stuff. And it, that number would have been higher, but we use a sprint model. So we open the rec for a few weeks, turn it off, work through that. And we use that hiring sprint model across our engineering org. So. Great. Thank you very much. This is, this is so great. We've got a financial institution. We've got professional services. We've got highly tech focused. And now, Drew a very different kind of hiring. Like Uber, you you guys had, had a real challenge there for a while, and now you're trying to find every bit of talent you can get, I imagine. Um, how, how have you seen it, the evolution? So so uh, to, to Don's point about uh, being on campus, yes, I have invested in Purell stock and drove it up myself with all the bottles that I use. But um, we, we have been on campus, but it's been a targeted career fairs. Most of our universities are using some sort of hybrid model where uh, they have some, uh, most of the career fairs are virtual, uh, but um, classrooms, you have a few classrooms that are allowing us in, but the sales schools that we attend, our partners are the sales uh, programs within the universities, they want a lot more 
um, of in-person. They want employers to come back. But as Dawn was saying, a lot of employers are not back yet. They still don't feel comfortable going back on campus in mass. Um, so we don't see a lot of that as of yet. Uh, but we're there, my team, um, at some of the partner universities that we've been with because the students, uh, I think that uh, Kathleen mentioned it before, they are tired. They are exhausted. Their virtual just fatigue is just at a point now where they, they don't know what they should be doing. They're almost paralyzed with it. Uh, someone asked a question uh, in the chat earlier, what we're doing to engage. And I would, Graham, you had asked us what we're doing different now. What we found is we didn't have a great virtual image because we are that in-person, high-touch field organization. And we were involved in so many classrooms and so many on-campus events that when this hit, it was all of a sudden change your way of thinking, change everything, change your direction. So we had to learn you know, how to engage with students and have presentations that were more engaging. And in doing so, we found a lot of students didn't have a good virtual image either, even how they didn't understand how to, to um, uh, do any kind of job search or, or even have a great presence. So what we did was we took our interns and, and, and the ones that we actually reneged on our offers. So the interns that we were going to partner with, we kept them in the pipeline and said, how can we partner with you, with your student organizations on campus? Because they were all student leaders to help you uh, have a better uh, virtual image. What can we do to show you? We empathize right away because we know that we don't have a great one and we know you're looking to get one as well. So how can we recalibrate and all navigate this thing together? And it went over very well. Uh, we were a company that said, we don't know, we're not great at this now, but we were learning. And what can you do? How do you want to be engaged? What can we do to help you out? Here's what we know for, uh, uh, employers look for from a professional standpoint. So how what I'm finding out, I'm sharing with you. So we're all learning in real time together. And it went over well. So that pipeline that we kept with those students, those student organizations has turned into real applicants, real candidates, uh, turned into real hires for us uh, the following year. Uh, the on-campus events are much better attended I'll also agree with that. Uh, they're much better attended than the virtual events because when we throw a virtual event, if you're throwing it for 50, you hope you can get half of those folks that actually will show up, especially for student organizations. Uh, but you hope you do enough in an engagement space there that they tell their folks about it and say, okay, next time you come on board, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll have more people involved in those virtual events. But we, we struggled uh, mightily when we had to switch over, uh, we're learning to do it better now. And I'll just finish by saying this, Graham, when you mentioned some folks are introverts and some are extroverts, so true. And you never realize that divide until this happened because right. you have folks who are so ready to engage, they're extroverts who we're all like, yay, and we're cheering with you. And then you have the other one say, well, I know this person and what happened to them? And, and they are more willing to say, I'd like to sit back and do more of this new virtual stuff that I enjoy. So we have to engage them as well. So we've learned there's a divide and learning that we can't just go for one, this is where we throw all of our eggs in this one basket. We've got to be good in both spaces. Right. And I actually, just a quick follow up on this, and I know sure. we're totally, I don't even know question one, but yeah. <laughs> I think one of the things we're going to have to remember is, as employers is that if you bring in sophomore interns, they have never, this is like, they've almost two years. Like for many of these students, they're two years and they're just getting on campus. Yep. They're just learning those life skills of living on campus. And I think as employers, we're really gonna have to think about, are there new skills we're gonna have to build in our interns that they may not have had access to two years ago or just haven't like know what that means. And, I, and so I just think it's something we're gonna have to think about uh, you know, for our own intern programs, even in our own on-campus programs, is like working with your career centers to partner with them to understand what are skill life skill bases that we may be teaching, not just about our company. So I, I do think we have a little bit of catch up to do with these students because they just haven't been exposed to some of the things they would have. It's a, that's a really good point. I think a lot of employers uh, pre-pandemic were, were seeing more opportunities to provide training to not their new hires, but prospective candidates. So instead of just always recruiting and having something to sell, going and saying, we're just gonna do a workshop because we, we we have this expertise, we'd love to give it to you. I think it's a little bit kind of the idea where Drew's alluding to in terms of like virtual presence. So maybe this will be one of those topics that employers can help to you know provide more development around uh, for those, as you say, who sort of missed a step. Yeah, 
Um, I put the next question up on the screen and you know, I think to some extent you guys already covered this. Has there been a shift in what works best as it compared to a year ago? Certainly, Lisa, you talked to this to some degree. I don't know if, if there's anything else, any of you might jump in there that, that you didn't, we didn't get into that first question. Just jump in. The only thing I'd say is not necessarily what works best, but what sort of has evolved and is different is that as we've seen more hybrid this fall, um, for my team at least, it's almost seems like it's been more work, um, a little bit more duplication of effort where a school might be holding a virtual career fair, but also an in-person career fair. And so being able, having to represent at both of those events effectively, or like somebody mentioned, I think Don mentioned that some students are more comfortable throwing something, I mean, it was Lisa in the chat versus raising their hand. Some don't really feel comfortable doing either. And then they're calling the recruiter afterwards and asking to do one-on-one. -on -one. So for us, it's like we've seen it actually be a little bit more draining on our team, having to kind of deal with this hybrid world. And I think that, and that, that exact same thing's happening on campuses, of course, where a lot of students are taking the virtual sessions and workshops and so on. And then they also coming in, you know, the schools are being expected to provide both in person and virtual. So right. I, I think there's probably a lot of people on that side that can relate to that too. You, you kind of expect to be both good at both now. Very good point. Um, Graham, the only other thing I would add too is, you know, I think we look at our fall campus tour, you know, it's just one part of our overall strategy too, right? So I think while it's an important part, we don't rely just on the fall campus tour. And I think many organizations perhaps in the past have relied very heavily on the fall tour. Um, you know, for us, it's just, you know, it's what we do in September, October. We also have a plan for how we engage with students the rest of the year. Um, and there's all these different touch points throughout the year. Um, and so it's important to have a mix so that we can really ensure that we're connecting with students uh, in the best way for them, right? So the, you know, you've got the large events, the small events, the club events, the association, the, you know, ask us anything sessions, the one-on-one -on -one coffee chats, those types of things. It's all part of a much bigger uh, plan and strategy. Tiring me out listening to it, Lisa. <laughs> well, a lot of work. Um, just a quick note, I see a couple people have put their, their hands up. Um, I, I'm not going to sort of be going there, but I'll be keeping an eye on the chat. And thank you very much for everyone who's putting into the chat, because I see that some of our panelists are responding to questions, and we'll keep the topics moving along that way as well, because there's lots of insights. We'll definitely save the chat along with the recording of this presentation for people. So we also got into this a little bit already. So you know, my fears are falling way behind. Maybe we'll get caught up. But how much of your activity was in person this fall? I heard bits and pieces. Uh, Drew, sounds like you're really doing quite a lot of it in person. Um, starting with you, uh, just, I mean, there must be some schools that are just not allowing it that you normally would have worked with. What, what's going on there? Uh, that's correct, Graham. So um, I'm doing a lot, it looks like, because I'm trying to get it out there virtually, but I'm really only 35 to 40% on campus. Um, I, I was normally in much, many more classrooms, more student organizations, more after hours events, more, uh, including the career fairs, uh, but uh, still it's up to about 35 to 40% at the most. And that's only because those sales programs that I've been involved with for the past 20 years, as they've opened their doors, and quite honestly, what they've said is everyone's not willing to come back on campus. So I've filled in some of that space where a lot of people might have said, I need three or four employers to come in and be a sales uh, judge at this contest or to come in and, and, and be a part of this presentation or come to a networking session. Uh, they know I'm coming or my team, so we tend to get more invites as well. Um, so that's happening right now, and I'm taking advantage of that for certain schools, not every school, because there are some schools absolutely that are just saying, no, we're not having anybody on campus at all. But where I found three, four schools right now that have sales programs that want to, they're competing with each other pretty much, try to get employers on campus. So those are the events that I've focused on saying, if I'm allowed, I'll go in and, and engage with the students, of course, following their protocols and uh, what's going on with COVID in those schools as well. But it's, um, yeah, about 30, 40, 40, 35, 40%. Right. Okay. Kathleen, I want uh, an angle related to this. Um, one of your competitors, we'll leave them at that, one of your direct competitors made it was pretty loud, I felt, about a year ago saying, we don't expect to go back in person. And they didn't mean, you know, in the next few months, they meant we're going to try and stay as virtual as humanly possible. And all I could think was, well, what happens when Kathleen's team goes in person or someone, someone else's team goes in person? Aren't you going to have to keep up? So what's your feeling on that, that this sort of 
um, yeah, attempting to stay virtual as much as possible? Or is that something you would always do for certain campuses? What, how do you see that unfolding? Yeah, I mean, we even before COVID, we were actually looking at revising and transforming our, our team structure and our process and trying to kind of open up our application more and we reach a wider audience. But given limited staff, limited dollars, you know, needing to tap into some virtual recruiting to do that. Um, so that was all, always part of our plan. It, it, COVID just sort of accelerated that. Um, yeah. So I, I don't, I wouldn't say the same as what you were saying, you know, someone else maybe had said, I, I think there's definitely, at least for us, we feel like there is a, a place for in-person recruiting and there's a place for virtual recruiting. And we feel that going forward, you know, post COVID, we will have schools where we have a fairly active presence and then we'll have schools that will be sourced by a virtual recruiter that will host events virtually. Um, so that enables us to kind of, again, widen that net, but still have that in-person touch. Drew mentioned that, you know, that's important to them. That's certainly important to KPMG, getting in front of the students, having them really feel our culture. That tends to be what helps us win students over. And that's been a challenge for us in the virtual environment. So I, I don't see either going away. I think there's a place for both of them, just strategically where and how. Yeah, and I, I even think that it, it, when it's like we're all testing and it, what's interesting and what's super hard for career centers is no company is the same, right? And that's even super hard for students, right? None of us are following the same path. We're following the path that's best for our company. And, you know, and we're dealing with that even with our intern programs. You know, we used to say you had to be in, Graham, you said it earlier, it had to be in person. You wanted that in person, but like that may not be it, right? The best manager may be a 100% remote manager. Um, and so, you know, we, we still struggle with getting people to help us with virtual events as we did going on campus. Um, but definitely, you know, it's, it's just something we're gonna have to watch as an organization. Well, and I think it needs to also align with your personal, like your organization's stance on return to office. Right, so we have some organizations that are very much going to stay and continue to be very remote based. Some will have hybrid, et cetera. And, you know, we, we need to kind of balance that out um, as we're navigating it. Cause I think we'll find some employers where if they're very much in a remote um, environment and that's going to be their culture moving forward, I would expect that they would be a little more challenged to go to campus and do all in-person events, right? And vice versa, when you have roles that are very much in-person, you know, in-branch events, for example, for us, like, then it would make sense that we would do more of those events and activities in person, because that's really what your working model will be moving forward. So um, I think we might see some alignment between sort of the workplace culture that then transitions to how companies go to campus and what that looks like. I have a, a, a really, I hope, a concise question about, uh, I'm wondering about virtual career fairs, and and I think, I feel like I've heard it all over the last year and a half or so, but but early on, I heard some people saying, ah, this is driving me crazy, but then they got to know it, and they got it working, and they were saying, I really like it, I'm getting 10 minutes with each student, we had a really focused time, I know they're not waiting in a huge long lineup. Uh, more recently, I heard a lot more of things like, I keep getting 10-minute segments of free time, because no one's showing up to these 10-minute segments. Um, quick take on the evolution of the virtual career fair from any of those who've been using them and, and have they, yeah, are they working or not working? Did they get worse? Were they never good? I think <laughs> we actually use more of breakout rooms versus individual yeah. um, kind of sessions, which to me helps alleviate, you know, a student that doesn't show up for, for their allotted time. Um, it still allows students who are super keen and, and want to, I guess, stand out amongst the group to ask those questions. You know, there's always times we have a group chat with my team, you know, after we've done a session where, you know, our recruiters will be popping names into the chat. Hey, I just saw Graham Donald. Graham Donald was just in my session. He was fantastic. He asked all these great questions, really interested in, you know, this type of role so that the whole team is aware of, of who those individuals are. So, um, you know, still great opportunity for them to stand out, but then alleviates kind of, you know, wasted time when, when you have no shows, the, the ones that are certainly keen and very interested will, will still be there. Right. We see like some of the best success in like coffee chats, 
Like yeah. students, even if it's virtual, students just want some one-on-one -on -one time with somebody, right? Um, and so we definitely see those fill up the fastest for us. Um, and, you know, this year, this fall, we've only had two events in person, like globally. Right. Uh, and so, you know, where we were doing two or 300 events globally, we've only done two so far. So I think both were right um, and both had the right um, opportunity. So, yeah. Yeah, there's a quick question here. I'll take what, what, what platform are you using for your coffee chats? We use Yellow to schedule all, all of our coffee chats and stuff. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Any other? But if somebody thoughts? else has a better tool, like I'm all about learning about this. So <laughs> yeah. Please yeah, drop chat. that in. Uh, but we use yeah. uh, Yellow globally. Yeah, and those are one-on-one -on -one coffee chats. Both. Sometimes oh, we'll do okay. small two to three. Like we find with underclassmen, like two to three makes them feel more comfortable. Yeah. And then the more senior PhD MBAs, we typically do one-on-ones. Kathleen or Drew, any quick comments on virtual career fairs? So we found that the virtual career fair, it's hit or miss. Um, it hasn't been great with the attendance, but uh, so what we've done, one of the best practices that we're all practicing now is really working ahead of the career fair to drive turnout just as we would in uh, one of our uh, uh, personal career fairs. If I was in a classroom or a student organization, I would encourage you to come to the career fair where I'm gonna have more people who can talk about who we are as a company, bring my hiring managers with me. So um, what Dawn was saying is, is important because we've also found that with those career fairs, we do have breakout rooms now where students do feel more comfortable in three or four uh, groups of three or four where they can come on and listen more than talk. That's what's happening because they're afraid that 10 minute, I'm gonna try to speak to you in 10 minutes and sound like I know what I'm talking about is still what it is, that phobia of public speaking. So, so we uh, will have people lined up in the queues and we'll have some no-shows and sometimes free time, but we'll always have people that'll wanna come on and chat in groups of three or four. We let them know ahead of time, we're gonna have um, our hiring managers, maybe one of our um, um, senior level persons on there to talk about the company and what, how we're navigating the pandemic. And, and they come on and we have a good session then. It's like an info session during the career fair. Um, so we, we use that event to take advantage of that to drive more traffic and have people more engaged with those. And then we'll break off if we like them, then we'll certainly set them up for uh, the application process and interviews later on. So we're trying to rework the traditional virtual career fair and turn it into more of that big info session for us where we can then break off into individual uh, interviews afterwards. In, into breakouts, okay. Let me jump ahead here. I'm not gonna go right to the last word of this next question. Um, are, are, are students accepting offers and then later uh, reneging on them? Is, is more of that happening than was happening before? Uh, that's what I've been hearing, but it's all anecdotal. I've got four of you, let's do a little poll. <laughs> I'm interested to hear. Drew, you're already nodding your head, so I'm thinking that's a yes. Yes, yes, they, they still are. Uh, what we're finding is um, it's, it's almost easier to do in a virtual world because you can click and think you never see me again. Uh, and someone mentioned before about students who have been on campus. They don't know the social skills yet. You're right. Some of these folks have not been on campus. They lost a full year, that developmental year between junior and senior year where I was going to understand the soft skills of how to interact and engage professionally, professional etiquette. Um, so we're still getting that. We get that in the, we ask folks all the time, are you interviewing and how much time do you need? And, and we'll give them what they need usually, but Sometimes we just don't hear from them again and the numbers are actually up with ghosting and renege. So uh, yeah, it's still happening with us. Yeah, um, renege is up for us, um, but I did, doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. Um, we are, what we are seeing in the tech side and I'd love to see any chat um, is that students are catching up. And so of in-person. And so we, what we're seeing is they wanna accept a summer internship in person, and they want to accept a fall internship in person. And so we're at, we're seeing a lot of like, and it's coming from specific schools, like some that have co-ops, some that don't, um, but we are seeing students, I don't know if they all get together and have a chat where they're mm -hmm. like, hey, we don't, we'd love your summer, but I'm already going to go to Google or Facebook or whoever, um, but can I come to you in the fall? And so we're trying to balance what that looks like for us because I don't want to be their backup dancer because they're already going to have an offer for the fall when they come to me. And right. so that's a different sell and a different 
process. So I don't know if anyone else has seen that on the tech side that students are like, woohoo, in person. So uh, when they're accepting that in summer, fall, in summer, sorry, summer and then fall, so are they, did they already have that opening or are they actually pausing one of the school terms to do that? I don't know what they're doing, okay. which is, right. you know, um, but yeah, I just, I think that why they're reneging is they're just, they're shopping. Um, tech students, that's where we see the most renege is, uh, is that and sometimes sales because they may get a better sales job that has a better sales quota for them, right, or closer to home or something like that. Um, and so it's just for tech though, we've, we've seen an uprise over the last couple of years of renege. So they have more choices. So that would certainly oh, yeah. contribute some of it. But also, is it also, I guess, to Drew's point, that they also have less of a relationship. They have not been in face-to-face -face with you nearly as much. It's a lot easier to sort of disappoint somebody because it's, it's, there's a disappointment. They know that it, it, there's less of a human that they're letting down, more of a company they're letting down, perhaps, when they're right. Would that be fair? Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the case. Um, I mean, we're definitely seeing an increase in reneges. I wouldn't say a significant increase. Okay. Um, but, you know, we're, we're talking about how do we make sure that we're staying engaged, you know, with those students that have accepted offers and how can we do that? And um, I think you're right, though, the fact that they have, don't have as much connection as they used to have, out of sight, out of mind, you know, a little bit. Um, I mentioned uh, to you earlier, Don, uh, Graham, that I went uh, on campus last week as at Penn State and we had a dinner with some students that had accepted offers. And afterwards, one of them was saying to me like how thankful they were that we hosted this event and it just reconfirmed why they were joining KPMG and that, that you know, they felt like it was a great culture match. And if we hadn't had that dinner, you know, perhaps that student would have been sitting there thinking, I don't know, did I make the right decision? So I think yeah, for us, it's, it is important to make sure that we're staying, having that connection, whether it's virtual or when we can in person such an important time after they've accepted to, to uh, maintain, grow, and make sure they don't mm -hmm. have any chance for feelings of regret to settle in. Um, let me keep us moving along then, so because uh, time's limited and this is a big question. So what's the biggest challenge right now? This could be recruitment, talent, segment. Uh, I think that the biggest challenge, Graham, that I see for us, because once again, we are that company that really wants to show our culture of who we are. Uh, when you think about uh, what industry we're in, people are wondering, you know, what is the culture of your company? Uh, and the new cultural word now is wellness. You know, what, what are you doing to handle the situation people find themselves in of uncertainty about what's going to happen? What, what was your company's uh, stance uh, during the pandemic and during social unrest? We're hearing a lot of this. And what are you doing now to handle that? Everything from wellness to DEI initiatives. They want to know the answer to these. And you have to give them a real answer. It can't be just a, a broad theory of what should be done. There has to be some real, this is what's happening now. Because I was speaking to a student group a couple of weeks ago. And it's even in their organizations where they have people now on that my position is the wellness officer or person in charge of these things. So we have to match what they're looking for. And we certainly are doing that. So being able to speak to that uh, is going to be um, our number one initiative going on campus now to make sure they know that they are taken care of. Uh, and that's a challenge to do on uh, virtually because virtually you don't have as many people speaking to them or showing them the culture. Um, so we have to find out a way to, to show them that we absolutely do partner with them when it comes to the wellness issues and DE&I uh, issues as well. So that's going to be an initiative and certainly is a challenge right now. Makes a lot of sense. I want to know everybody's biggest challenge. Lisa, let's jump to you. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a challenge, but I think what the last year and a half has highlighted for us is the importance of relationships between us and the schools, right? And I think, you know, as we've moved to you know, virtual events and being able to host them ourselves, et cetera. I think it's really important that we're not losing sight of the value that our partners um, at the schools provide and the, and the importance of that relationship. And so um, I, I would say not necessarily a challenge, but an ongoing sort of priority for us is making sure that we are connecting with our partners at the schools, making sure they're aware of what we're doing, what our plans are, um, you know, trying to balance out and get to know, um, you know, and have those discussions with the schools to better understand what's happening on their specific campus, because there's definitely, you know, differences by geography, by size of school, etc. 
Um, and it's important for us to, to not lose sight of that. And we definitely need to know, you know, how best to engage with their students. What is, you know, their students appetite for, you know, moving to in-person and are there different ways for us to, to connect with them? So, um, as I said, I don't know if it's necessarily a challenge, but definitely something that is, is a priority for us to make sure that we are partnering and, and, you know, continuing to nurture those relationships. I think that's a really good point, simply in that it, 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 there's been a change, right? So it's changed and it's it, it may continue to change. It's a lot different, right? Before yeah. you'd be on campus, you do your you know info session, you pop by career services, you have a chat, you connect, you get a good sense. Now, when you're not on campus doing that, we can't lose sight of the fact of how important those conversations are, right? And you have to kind of seek them out in a different way. Yeah, and I've heard from some employers recently saying, oh, I, I know these schools are highly dependent on their career fairs for revenue, but career fair is just not what I need right now. Um, and they're struggling to say, how, how do I remain loyal and supportive? Um, and, and obviously there are ways to do that, but it, it, it takes some rethinking. Um, I, I didn't mention it, or plug the campus recruiting forum. That's gonna be one of the panels I didn't mention is we're gonna have a couple of schools, a couple of employers gonna talk about, okay, how do we evolve this? Um, so it makes the most sense for everyone so that everyone is adding the most value to one another. Um, Kathleen, what's your big challenge that you see? Mm, certainly can relate to those that have already been mentioned. Um, a few other things I would say is one, it's a really hot recruiter market right now. So keeping my team yeah. in place is a real big challenge for us and making sure that we're you know, recognizing them. And um, the other thing I would say is kind of what you talked about earlier in terms of this hybrid world that we're living in and you know, by example, we did uh, reach out to our, we run a winter internship program in addition to summer, and we reached out to them to let them know we we're going to run a hybrid um, program where they can be remote if they want to. Um, they can, you know, opt for a virtual experience and all training and everything else would be virtual for them. Or they can be hybrid where they're located within a commutable distance of our, of their assigned office and can participate in some live events, um, some live client experiences when those come up but our entire company is still in this hybrid mode. So they may be assigned to client teams that aren't going to the client, right? Even if they want to. So kind of dealing with that, like the first questions that we got from the students were, well, what does hybrid mean? And how many days a week will I go into the office? And like, we're not in this prescriptive time where there's a certain amount of days you go into the office. And I, I think balancing their needs with our needs is, is a challenge. And the last thing I would throw out is vaccinations and kind of going through in the U.S. with the federal contractor mandate and what's happening there. That's been a challenge, just working through the logistics of what that will mean to us as an employer, how that might impact in-person events and, and things like that. And it's continuing to evolve as it gets challenged in the courts as well, so. That's a, that's a pretty good list of challenges. <laughs> the one thing we do know is everyone's gotten really good at addressing challenges over the last year and a half. So um, we'll put that there. Don, I don't know if you want to address that or you want to be the first on our, our last question, I'm gonna, uh, which is really yeah. about your expectations and plans for, for this winter. You know, I think a little bit of both. I, I think I'm going to tap on to what Kathleen said, which is 35% of my team is brand new, right? The big resignation definitely mm -hmm. happened. What that did allow us to do is probably 75% of my team sat in San Francisco and now 60% of my team sits in Dallas or Chicago or DC. Um, and that really allows just a, allows us to hire people outside of what we normally would hire from. And it's something we're able to increase the diversity of thought, diversity of people and backgrounds. So I think the great resignation was stressful, believe me. I think there was a month where I was a director, a manager, and a recruiter, which I don't really <laughs> recommend to anyone because I'm a really bad recruiter now. But it did allow us to really rethink that. Um, and I think, you know, what are our expectations and plans for winter is uh, we are a hybrid company where we spend like two, three days a week or it's really up to the person. They can spend a week at work and that's it and they've hit their days. Um, but I do think going back to what Kathleen and Lisa and Drew even mentioned is like, I think we're underestimating the amount of questions we're gonna get from our interns and even our new college grads. Um, I know they're going into work because we offer free food. Like, <laughs> and not only are they coming into work, they're just coming into work until lunch and then they go home. 
and they take like dinner home with them. God love them, right? Because we have amazing cafeterias in all our buildings globally where we can. Um, so I do know like our new college grads are coming into the office. I don't know if it's beyond food, right? Um, but yes, we, our goal is that, you know, just rolling out what a hybrid model now looks like for intern programs, I think is going to be huge for us. And then building freshman sophomore pipeline will be huge for us this spring. Right, right. Um, other thoughts about expectations for the winter ahead? Going to be busy. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be busy. And, and I like Kathleen's point, there's going to be lots of questions we simply don't have answers to, I think, as well, which is, which is a fair point. Well, I, I love what Lisa said earlier um, about the, the partnering with the career centers, because our mm -hmm. expectation this next semester is to take those relationships we have with those student organizations that we met with in person and funnel them towards the career services, because that's always been the front door for us when it comes to campus recruiting. Um, that student has a better understanding of what they are passionate about, a better understanding of how to, to excel in a career earlier uh, because they've done an assessment and they know what they're looking for and what their skill set is. So we're going to make sure that we continue to partner with our career centers and then push those folks, those new people who were on campus who missed that full year or the last 18 months, whatever it is, and say career center is still valuable. Career center is still where we're going to go to get most of our folks because we're trying to figure out how to do this. Uh, and, and they have a better handle on uh, uh, multiple job opportunities out there so that you're not trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. So stop banging your head against the wall and standing still paralyzed. The Career Center has some answers for you. We're going to partner with them and push you towards them as well. Thank you very much. We have come up against the end of our hour. And uh, um, just if you have any questions, you can email us at support at Campus Talent Lab. Reminder of that campus recruiting forum. You're going to want to register this week. We'll get you an email. With those details and a link to the recording um but fantastic I, I mean i was keeping my eye on the chat but i think not only were you guys great panelists and great in discussion but you were great at answering questions in the chat the whole way along so you're multitasking as well um something we've all gotten a little better at so just a huge thank you lisa kathleen don drew really appreciate you taking the time great rich discussion uh love to have another hour sometime but maybe we'll maybe we'll touch base again in january march may August. Uh, <laughs> Can we do it in a bar, please? Like, <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, at the very least, we can do it later in the day, and we can have drinks virtually, right? That's fine. Okay. Like, our mimosas in the morning, one of those, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right, you're on for that. You got it. Totally on for that. You got it. <laughs> Sounds like a plan. Thanks, everyone, and thanks for the great chat, everyone. Love the activity. Great question. Thank you very much. Thanks, thanks Graham, for putting it together. Bye. Thanks very much. Take care. Talk soon. Thank you for listening to today's podcast from Campus Talent Lab, where our focus is on advancing your career in campus recruiting and early talent management. Visit campustalentlab.com to access resources and apply for your free membership. Today's podcast was hosted by Graham Donald. Original music and editing is by Katrina Kajuro. If you'd like to get in touch or have suggestions for future topics, please contact us at support at campustalentlab.com. I'm Katrina Kajuro, and I hope we see you soon in the lab.